You're listening to Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Now, here's your host, Christopher Linfont. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ravens flock, my name is Christopher Linfont bringing you another episode of the Nest Talk podcast. Nest Talk episode 39 is being recorded uh, today on August 13th at approximately 4.30 in the afternoon. And of course, you know that Nest Talk is the best and most elite podcast on the entire internet. And of course, that's why you're already listening. You know it. Here we are another week, another, well, another week, another week of Ravens news, but it's a lot of Ravens news, actually, we do have to talk about today. Um, You know, there are some more menial things we have to get through. Uh, But then, of course, you've got your blockbuster storylines that we'll get to uh, in the show, and then I do want to talk about the preseason game that they played last Thursday. I haven't had a chance to do the Ravens retrospective review article yet for it. was hoping to get the game film for it through NFL Game Pass, but I just remembered today that, well, usually NFL Game Pass gives us game film on Tuesdays after games, but I just remembered today they don't usually do that for the preseason, so I've kind of wasted some time on that, but, you know, maybe they will give it to us, maybe they won't. I like to use game film to do my evaluations. It just provides a much, you know, um, more precise. Um, it provides a more precise a way to to hone in on players and see their production on the field. I mean, it's difficult when you have broadcasting to see what cornerbacks, wide receivers, tight ends are doing down the field. I mean, offensive line you could pretty much get, um, but it can be difficult, you know, to, to see the 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 performances of all the players. So game film is obviously great, and of course you get to see the plays happen. I wanted to see what the Ravens are good against uh, going on a defensive front. So don't know how much we'll be able to see of that in the condensed replay that I'll watch later today when I get that article hopefully out for tomorrow. And then of course preview and predictions for the next Ravens game uh, this Thursday against the Green Bay Packers again 7:30. Uh, will probably be out either on Wednesday or Thursday, of course, before the game, no matter what. Um, so. As I said, we have some more menial tasks to get through here uh, and talking about. Um, and then we have some more blockbuster ones. I mean, it's been a pretty active news week for the Baltimore Ravens since our last episode. I wanted to get it out on Friday. Didn't have the opportunity to do so. Um, have had my own busy week going on. But now it's Tuesday, you know, kind of progressed through the week. And I think I'm glad I waited this long because we would have had to wait until next Friday to cover some of these news topics. Um that really are very important. And I mean, the first, the first important piece of news, we're going to go chronologically here, um, is that the Ravens made a trade. And it's not the trade you're thinking about or the trade that could happen that you're also thinking about, but, um, the Ravens traded Alex Lewis last week. And if you don't remember who Alex Lewis is, Alex Lewis was, um, one of our draft picks. I believe he was a fourth round draft pick, um, from the 2016 draft. Um, and the thing about Lewis is he was a decent player, but he was never great. And the main problem with him is he was always injured. Um, in his, his rookie year, uh, sprained ankle, missed time, 2017, shoulder injury, uh, 2018. If you remember the Titans game, he had a really scary neck injury, um, was able to come back from it. But Alex Lewis has missed quite a lot of time for the Baltimore Ravens and, and Baltimore just pretty much figured, he was not going to be a reliable starter at left guard. And the Ravens really need to figure out who they're going to get at left guard. Um, you know, it's been one of the positional battles that everybody's been watching this offseason, left guard, because we know who our right guard is going to be at Marshall Yonda. The tackles are set. Matt Skur is an incumbent at center. There's no one really challenging him. Left guard was the real offensive line question mark. You had Alex Lewis in there. You still have Jermaine Illuminor. You also have... James Hurst in there, uh, a former starter. And, of course, um, you also got Ben Powers, the rookie fourth or fifth round draft pick. So there's a lot of guys who can do a lot for this roster who can potentially start at this position. And many people just want to know what's going to go on. So, you know, it, it was pretty crowded. And the Ravens knew they weren't going to keep all of these guys. So they ship out Alex Lewis for a conditional seventh round draft pick. Uh, on August 5th last week. Now, the deal with Alex Lewis is he originally was told he was going to be released, be cut. Um, We know this because he posted on Instagram uh, 
Um, if you read my post on BaltimoreFeather.com, you would know because I included the link to it. Um, basically saying thank you to the Ravens flock, but he was released that morning. But the Ravens, before they could actually put him on waiver wires, got a call from Joe Douglas, the former Ravens scout, a uh, longtime Ravens scout, uh, and the New York Jets. And basically his proposal was to give the Baltimore Ravens a seventh round conditional pick. Conditions, I don't know exactly what the conditions are to receive this pick. I would imagine it's how if either if Lewis makes a roster or if Lewis um, plays in X amount of games, then the Ravens would get this pick. But, you know, you might say, oh, well, seventh round conditional pick. That's barely anything. Who even cares? It's really amazing the Ravens were able to get anybody because they obviously did not think uh, they were going to get anything for Alex Lewis, and they got a potential seventh round pick. I mean, it's a seventh round pick, but... It's still something in return for Alex Lewis. Uh, and you got to hope Alex Lewis does well with the New York Jets because his Baltimore Ravens career just wasn't wasn't going to cut it uh, after those three seasons with all those injury problems. So Alex Lewis is shipped off to the New York Jets. And somewhat surprising news because that morning he did clear his physical to come back and potentially fight for the starting, uh, starting gig and he wasn't able to to get that opportunity. Now, moving on in Ravens news here, we do have to talk about another move that the Ravens made. They made a flurry of moves um, this past week. Um, and that's the signing of a defensive tackle out of Washington. And his name is um, Elijah Qualls. Now, Elijah Qualls uh, was a former six-round pick, was picked by the Carolina Panthers. I'm sorry, not the Carolina Panthers. He was picked by the Philadelphia Eagles a couple of years ago. He was on the Super Bowl team, didn't very really contribute much, got cut after that season, ended up on the Panthers' offseason roster for two years in a row with the practice squad, got cut this year, and the Ravens signed him after um, making that move to get rid of um, Alex Lewis. So um, whether or not Elijah Qualls makes the roster is going to depend on his play. He's probably looking to make a practice squad or somebody else's roster, but... In a stacked defensive tackle room like the Baltimore Ravens have, it's going to be very difficult for Qualls to even make any sort of a move for the roster. Now, um, you know, if you ask me my prediction for Elijah Qualls, I don't even think he makes our roster. I don't think he makes our practice squad. I don't even know if he'll make another team's practice squad. Um, But he's going to have to play well if he wants to do anything. He's already missed the first preseason game. Um, so he's already at a disadvantage for this team. He's, he's more of a, uh, afterthought at this point, but he could definitely change that around if he was to have an outstanding level of play in the next few days. And of course, the next few weeks in the preseason, um, and, uh, moving on to our next piece of news. This is a trade you almost certainly know about, and it's something that the Ravens were trying to do for a while. And it's that they, they traded Corey, Kerry Vedvik. To the Minnesota Vikings. Now we all knew this was coming. Kerry Vedvik, um, great kicker, great punter. The Ravens have the, some of the all-time greatest kickers and punters, two be, two best kickers and punters perhaps in league history, in Justin uh, Tucker and Sam Cook. So it wasn't like um, Kerry Vedvik was going to make this roster. We knew that from the start. But the question was, where would Kerry Vedvik end up? And how much compensation were the Ravens going to get um, in replace of Kerry Vedvik? So the Ravens found a trade partner in Minnesota. There were a few NFC North teams. Most people thought it was going to be the Bears or the Packers, maybe even the Bills coming in. But Minnesota really came out of nowhere here um, and, and grabbed Kerry Vedvik. Now, the Minnesota Vikings have a, have a pretty bad history with kicking in recent years. Um... Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I have a I have this vague memory of them losing a Super Bowl um, by a kick. So, you know, they really want to get a punter. I mean, a kicker and a punter. And and that's really what Kerry Vedvik can do. Um, Kerry Vedvik is a guy that can do both. He can kick, he can punt. So if they choose to have him as both a kicker and a punter on this roster... The Minnesota Vikings then save a roster spot for somebody else. So he's very valuable in that sense. Now, they valued him much higher than most people would have thought. They gave Baltimore, get this, a fifth-round draft pick for Vedvik. 
A fifth round draft pick. Ladies and gentlemen, that is insane. You rarely ever get kickers traded above seventh round picks, let alone a fifth round pick. I mean, that is that is amazing. The Ravens got a steal. And I think it's probably worth it in the long run because in today's NFL, whether you like it or not, you need a reliable kicker to win games. We see all the time what happens when kickers go kablooey. Billy Cundiff, okay? Everybody listening to this knows what happened with Billy Cundiff and how an unreliable kicker can ruin your team. Blair Walsh was a good kicker for a while, but in that last year with Minnesota, unreliable when it counted. Josh Lambeau last year, I think it was Lambeau, whoever it was the, or maybe Mason Crosby, I'm sorry, Mason Crosby last year, had a pretty bad year. He was a great kicker for a while, but he kind of faded off. Uh, Packers tanked. Um, you have all these instances. I mean, the Bills, I know the Bills in the 90s lost a, a Super Bowl off of a kicker. So, I mean, you have all these instances of kickers. I mean, it's never automatic with these guys. You need somebody who's going to be able to hit it when it counts. And Kerry Vedvik is one of those guys, I think. I think Kerry Vedvik is going to be a good kicker for the Minnesota Vikings. He's demonstrated it for the Baltimore Ravens in two straight preseasons. I mean, if it was not for getting assaulted after a night in Baltimore last year, beat up, basically just randomly assaulted in the streets, and have to, had to get put on um, the non-football injury list for the year, um, he would have been signed with another team. But, I mean, it, it works out. He gets basically the starting nod immediately in Minnesota. And the Ravens get a fifth-round pick. No conditions on this fifth-round pick. It's a straight fifth-round pick. They had suitors from multiple teams. This was the best offer. Um, it's 2020 fifth-round pick. And, you know, this is very interesting because the Ravens have developed kicker after kicker after kicker. I mean, Will Lutz, Graham Gano, Justin Tucker. I mean, these guys, I believe, all came under Harbaugh. And I'm pretty sure Steven Hauschka is another one of these kickers who's come from Baltimore. I don't remember if he was under Harbaugh or Billick, but, I mean, the Ravens are a kicking factory. They they pump out kickers. And Will Lutz, Graham Gano, these are great kickers. Justin Tucker is the greatest kicker to ever play the game. I'm sorry, people who say Adam Vinatieri is the greatest kicker. It's not the most accurate kicker like Justin Tucker. And Justin Tucker is, is, a, is, is insane. So, you know, I know Adam Vinatieri had his, his great moments and he's one of the best kickers to ever play. But he's not the best, like Justin Tucker is. Future Hall of Famer Justin Tucker. Um, so when you look at, at, at really this Ravens track record, I mean, it even ha- I believe it happened under Billick with, with Hauschka. I don't exactly remember. It's a little fuzzy in my head. But at least the John Harbaugh days here, you have the special teams mentality. It's really what it comes down to is that pride in special teams because special teams wins you games. I'm a firm believer in special teams. If you can start your opponent, you know, on their 20-yard line, and you can start yourself on the 30-yard line, you're going to have a big advantage to start, and a big advantage to finish. If your kicker, kicker can kick reliably within 50 yards like Tucker can, I mean, he he's dead accurate under 50. You're going to win a lot of games. I don't care if you have an offensive problem. If you can just get to the 40-some-yard line, right, you have a chance at scoring. If you're at the 30-some-yard line, you're like automatically going to score as long as you don't turn the ball over with Tucker. So, special teams, it counts. It really does count, people. And it's really, you can't overlook it. And the Minnesota Vikings, I mean, they have a great program up there with Mike Zimmer's a fantastic coach. I mean, obviously they have some offensive troubles right now with their salary cap and everything, spending so much money everywhere. But it's a good program, and I'm happy for Kerry Vedvik to go up there uh, and be part of the Vikings. Hey, he's Norwegian and, you know, Vikings, you know, Scandinavian as well. So he kind of fits in there. Um, so again, congratulations to Kerry Vedvik on getting the starting nod immediately in Minnesota, uh, uncontested basically. And he will, um, he'll do well up there. I'm, I'm sure of it. He'll be a great kicker for years to come. So the Ravens freed up that roster spot and they had to add another kicker slash punter for the rest of the preseason because they need somebody to kick. They're not going to put Tucker out there, and they're not going to put Sam Cook out there. They go out and get Sean Smith, 
the punter. Now, Sean Smith, I don't think many Ravens fans actually know much about him right now. Um, but, you know, here's what we do know about him already. Now, now Sean Smith, um, University of Dayton alum, uh, he is actually, believe it or not, a left-footed punter. So, I mean, he's someone who would obviously fit in New England scheme uh, because pretty much that's every punter they have up there every time. Um, his agent announced it online on Twitter that he signed with the Baltimore Ravens. And Sean Smith is not going to make this roster. He, he's not. We all know it. But coming to Baltimore, if you're a kicker, you know you're not going to make their roster. But, I mean, hey, they're pumping out kickers left and right here that go on to have successful careers elsewhere. Again, I mentioned Will Lutz, Graham Gano, Sean um, Steve, I'm sorry, Stephen Hauschka, now Kerry Vedvik, potentially this guy, Sean Smith. Now, am I going to come out here and say Sean Smith is going to light up the preseason the Ravens are going to get another free draft pick for him? No, probably not. I mean, he might do very well in the preseason punting and kicking, but I don't think the Ravens are going to have the luck they had with Kerry Vedvik. I mean, it's definitely possible that Sean Smith here, um, does well this year, ends up on another roster or ends up on a practice squad comes back next year perhaps, uh, lights it up, gets a trade then. So, you know, the Ravens uh, will do their due diligence in the future, seeing whether or not they could ship him somewhere to potentially be a starter as well. But, you know, people are going to look more for kickers than punters, and he is a punter by trade. If he can kick, that'd be great. But right now, I don't I don't know. Because Kerry Vedvik, I think, was originally a punter as well. Um so we'll see how it goes with Sean Smith. I don't really expect him to do much, but we'll see. We got a preseason game. He'll probably do all the kicking in that game this Thursday. Um, you know, I don't expect Justin Tucker or Sam Cook to trot out there and risk, you know, getting smothered on a tackle for no reason, right? You know, when they're punting or place kicking, it'd just be stupid. So uh, Sean Smith will probably punt and kick for the entirety of the game. Now moving on to more opinion than news at this point because... I don't know how this is really something that the Ravens fans are kind of grabbing onto here. Um, but it's that the theory is, and if you haven't been on Twitter, or if you're not on Twitter, if you haven't been on Twitter the last 24 hours, you're not on Twitter at all, uh, I get you. It's, it's probably better that you're not on Twitter to begin with. But, you know, this is where rumors start. It's really social media, Twitter especially, because people have an easy time getting to post to one another. Uh, and this stuff spreads like wildfire through people's mentions very quickly. Uh, and basically, you click on anything about the Ravens today, and it's Jimmy Smith will be traded to the Texans, the Houston Texans, for Jadavion Clowney. Granted, the Ravens would probably give him a draft pick, too. And, I mean, this is... a. That's a blockbuster trade because you have a very good corner with one of the league's premier pass rushers being traded between teams with a draft pick in there somewhere for the Ravens probably. Now, pause. This is not a news story. This is conjecture. It's pure conjecture. And I, it's there is no credible source to indicate to anybody that Jimmy Smith is going to Houston that Jimmy Smith's going to be traded at all. I mean, everybody knows that the Texans are at least shopping. They're not they're not committed to anything right now with Clowney, but they're shopping ideas because of the franchise tag situation and Clowney's situation going into next year. It's very fuzzy, but to just assume that the Ravens would, would trade Jimmy Smith to the Texans doesn't make sense. Now, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. It makes sense if you take into the background, but we're not going to take into the background right now. We're going to just go through the series of events, which to me say, I don't understand where this is coming from because I really don't. Um, Jimmy Smith yesterday went down with an injury on the field. Um, I think he tweaked something in his leg and he was brought off, did not return today. That initial being brought off the field fueled massive speculation immediately that it was time for Jimmy Smith to go. And listen, I get it, because Jimmy Smith, overall, overall Jimmy Smith has been a good player for us. But he's been unreliable. And these are the specifics I'm talking about. Right now, I'm writing a piece for BaltimoreFeather.com where I go into detail about why the Ravens should at least shop Jimmy Smith around. I'm not going to say they're going to trade him for Clowney because it's there's no credible source. I don't have any sources on this. No one I'm, I talk to 
tells is telling me that Jimmy Smith is is gonna get traded. Nobody, no reputable source out there in the media has said it so far. Texas Texans beat reporters haven't said it. Our beat reporters haven't said it. Coaches, GM, no, no agents, nobody said it. It's pure conjecture at this point. But it's gotten to the point where people are like, "Well, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen." Listen, no reputable source really was talking about Le'Veon Bell to the Ravens, except for his agent who was fabricating it. So let's not get our hopes up right away because I think it'd be an interesting trade. It depends how much the Ravens invest in draft picks for Clowney. But, I mean, Jimmy Smith's been unreliable. He's been off the field, I think, every year. I don't think he's played an entire season. He's been suspended maybe twice now. Maybe three times. I don't remember. I know he was suspended once for um, substance abuse, which he claimed um, was a mistake, something on on the list that wasn't on it before. It was some sort of supplement, whatever. Should have been more aware of that, in my opinion. If that story's true. We don't have anything to say. And then he got suspended for for a domestic abuse dispute. And it wasn't... I mean, I don't say this lightly that it wasn't really domestic abuse. But, I mean, the NFL based his suspension on text mes- private text messages he sent between himself and his domestic partner at the time. Which weren't good, but... I, it, it's hard to say it's domestic abuse, in my opinion. In my opinion, what do I know? So he got suspended for that. And, you know, it, it he's been unreliable. And but he has had some fantastic moments. 2017, he was a top he was a top five corner in the league. But he's on the wrong side of 30. He's had a history of injuries, history of suspensions. His contract is super high. He's got dead cap coming out the wazoo if you cut him. Um I think. Uh I mean, let me check right now because I should have done this earlier. I always do this. Uh, if you're if you're a longtime listener, you know I always have to interject and say, "Well, let me look this up" because I get off on a tangent. And I talk about something I didn't think I was going to talk about, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, wait a minute, I need to look that up." So here we are, Jimmy Smith, dead cap. If we cut him today, twenty million dollars in dead cap versus a seven million dollar cap hit. Now, if you trade him, a lot of this dead cap would go away. A post six one trade makes his dead cap for twenty eighteen. I'm sorry. 2018. Oh, it's 2019. We're, I'm looking at the wrong thing here. He's got the potential out. I'm sorry. I'm looking at 2017. His contract is going to have a cap hit this year of $15.85 million. I should update it tweet because I sent out 7.2, and that's two years old earlier. $15.85 million this year. If they cut him today, he only is going in $6 million dead cap. I don't know why I was looking at 2017, folks. I have no clue. Um, apologies, ladies and gentlemen of the of the Feather Flockers out there for that inaccurate information. I will correct that on Twitter. So if you see the tweet correcting it before you listen to that, now you know what happened. Um, but if they trade him, it's the same dead cap. But you get Jadavion Clowney. Now, Jadavion Clowney would command an, a, a massive massive contract for next year, upwards of $20 million. That's just what's going to happen. So the Ravens have to basically swap out Jimmy Smith last year of his contract for a guy who's going to take up $20 million for the next four years, potentially. Now, the deal is, though, Lamar Jackson is on a rookie contract. And if you know anything about NFL contracts, it's the second contract that gets players paid. Quarterbacks get paid a tremendous amount in the NFL. Tremendous. Lamar Jackson's on his first contract. He is getting barely paid anything compared to what Joe Flacco is making. So the Ravens freed up Flacco's contract. Not all of it. They do have to give him some dead money. Um, just the way it's structured. But Lamar's cap hit for this year, 2020 and 2021, is this. He's going to hit $2 million in cap space, $2.5 million in cap space, and $3 million in cap space. You could potentially afford Jadavion Clowney with with Lamar Jackson on his rookie deal. You have room to expand. And 2022 is the fifth-year option if Lamar Jackson proves to be the franchise quarterback post-Joe Flacco. Then they're going to fifth-year option him. If he doesn't prove it, they can dump him and find another co- the quarterback, veteran, draft, whatnot. Who knows? It's That's way down the line. Don't even want to think about that right now. So they have plenty of time to build around Lamar Jackson. Now, when Lamar Jackson signs, if he signs a second year contract, I'm sorry, second contract, then 
they're gonna have to make roster adjustments adjustments like they did under Joe Flacco after his rookie contract expired. So if they want to run for a Super Bowl, you know, the Ravens always try to run for a Super Bowl no matter what the contract situation is, but this might be the time to do it. And if it is the time to do it, a trade with Jimmy Smith, a cornerback, we have such a deep cornerback room. Brandon Carr, Marlon Humphrey, Tavon Young, Anthony Averett, Maurice Kennedy, Eamon Marshall, those guys could, I mean, Brandon Carr and Marlon Humphrey could definitely hold the fort down without Jimmy Smith. Marlon Humphrey's already better than Jimmy Smith. That's a fact. That's a complete fact. Brandon Carr, maybe not so much, but Brandon Carr's a great corner anyway. He could start, look, any of these three corners, Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey, Brandon Carr, could be a number one cornerback on, let's say, 90% of the teams in the NFL. Now, it's the deal is, do you want to essentially weaken your secondary by getting rid of Jimmy Smith. It's already a super strong secondary. It's going to go from super strong to very strong. But it's, does, it's not going to look like the impenetrable fortress with, you know, Tony Jefferson and, and Earl Thomas in the back that it looks like right now. Because whether it's Anthony Averett, Emma Marshall coming in there, or whoever is the third cornerback, because Tavon Young's our slot guy, out they're going to pair him up, you know, on the outside with a lot of people because it's not a specialty. Maurice Kennedy maybe could go out there. I don't know. Um, you know, do teams really fear the Ravens secondary as much as they would? Now, the, the the flip side of that is nobody's fearing our pass rush right now. We've got Matthew Judon, who I think is going to take a big step. I always say he keeps he's, he should take a big step this year. I've said it for like three years in a row. But in, in reality, he did take a big step last year, I think. Um, not the best step, not what I thought he was going to take, but he took a big step anyway. Um, he's going to have a good year. He's on a contract year anyway. We don't have somebody really reliable to go up on the other side of him. I mean, you got Jalen Ferguson, the third-round pick in there, but is he really ready? He's a very raw prospect. If you're if you're listening on YouTube, go to my YouTube channel after this. Go pick up my Jalen Ferguson prospect review and look at what I think about him and, and, and his shortcomings because, I mean, he can definitely develop into a great, amazing pass rusher, but right now he seems a little raw for me to rely on him as a starting pass rusher. So... Basically, what we could assume is that if you brought in Jadavion Clowney, he would start next to Matthew Judon and immediately upgrade the pass rush core into one of the better ones in the league because then you got two very viable starters, Jadavion Clowney at the top of the game and Matthew Judon potentially breaking out this year. Now you're going to blow the doors off with that. But you do have to give up Jimmy Smith and a potential draft pick. Who knows what round? I mean, I'm not giving up anything more than a fourth. I'm sorry, but I am not giving up Jimmy Smith and a third, a second round pick for Jadavion Clowney. I get Clowney's great and all, but the amount of money he's going to command, I mean, is it worth it at that point? Now, if they said Jimmy Smith and a fifth, a sixth round pick, or fourth round pick, we just got a free fifth round pick. We could give him that fifth round pick. I don't care. Take it, take Jimmy Smith. If that's what the Ravens end up doing, I'm not going to say they should do either one. I'm laying out the options here for you, but I'm saying to you, if they give him for you, but I'm saying to you, if they give him a third, a fourth, a second round pick, um, that might be a problem. I, I mean, a third round pick, it's kind of on the border, but with Jimmy Smith, if you feel me, it just seems like a lot. It just seems like a lot. And I'm not denying Javion Clowney could br- blow the doors off this defense for us. It's possible, but it's A, not guaranteed, and B, you always have to worry about the future. And if you load up on contracts now, you're going to have a problem if Lamar Jackson signs a huge mega contract in the second contract. That's just a fact. That's just a simple fact. So the Ravens have to make a decision. Again, not saying either one, just as long as they make the responsible decision, the best decision for the football team, and don't overpay if they actually make this trade. And again, it's all conjecture. It's all conjecture. There's nobody actually saying it's happening. Nobody's actually saying the Ravens have called the Texans. No, I'm sorry. Nobody reputable. There are people out there who are saying they have a source. These people are not reputable. They're not people who typically deal with sources. They're not people who work for newspapers, for, for, well, some of them work for, you know, a, a blog here and there. I mean, hey. Listen to me. I don't think 
Ian Rappaport would take my word if I had a Raven source telling me one thing, which would probably be true because, look, I only, if I talk to a source, it's going to be a good source. If I got your information, it's going to be right, aside from the contract goof I made earlier, but that's a stupid mistake. If I've got a source on something and I'm telling you about it, then I know this is legit. If I say, if I say that per somebody else, something is happening, then I'm relying on their sources to be right. But if I was to come out and say that tomorrow the Ravens are training for Jadavion Clowney per source I have, which I don't have many, um, then, you know, I think it would be legit. But, again, I'm not to other people in the reporting business. I'm not a reputable source. I'm not. And, you know, if it's a person like me out there saying it, I wouldn't listen to me either. You know, I hope you guys would because I think you guys understand, you know, the process I go through and and basically re- vetting anything I hear. Obviously, I'm not going to come out here and tell you on this podcast that, oh my God, we're trading for Jadavion Clowney. You know, Ravens fan123 on Twitter said it. We're going to trade for Jadavion. We're not trading for Jadavion Clowney unless we hear something concrete. Um, so, again... If I, if I do get a source on this telling me, hey, the Ravens are trading for Jadavion Clowney, or hey, nothing's happening, then I would let you know. But right now, we don't know. No one knows anything. So I'm going to assume that this entire thing is basically conjecture right now. And it's it's really not an assumption. It's a fact that it's conjecture. No one actually knows anything about this. So don't get your hopes up. But it is possible. I am arguing. Uh, you're going to see if, a piece later today. If you're listening to this... Um, Tonight, the day comes out, August 13th, 2019. You're probably, um, if you read the blog, you would you would probably would have seen it already. My piece on Jimmy Smith and why the Ravens should at least shop him around, regardless of whether or not they make a trade, regardless whether or not it's Clowney involved. So, um, yeah. Again, though, I don't I don't think this is this is happening right now. It could happen in the future, but right now, uh, we, we don't know. We just we just flat out don't know. But moving on now, not to stay on this topic forever. Um, you know, some lighter things here. I, I, I hope you guys saw that video actually on Twitter. Uh, and it was all over some of the news organizations as well. You know, non-sports news, some sports news, but other non-sports news. Uh, you know, day shows and talk shows kind of picked up on it. <laughs> Dalen Mack forgot the cinnamon rolls for practice. I, I don't know if you saw this, but if you didn't, go on Dalen Mack's Twitter page and see what happened when he forgets the cinnamon rolls for. Uh, the Ravens team meeting. It was not fun for the rookie defensive tackle driving home. I will leave you with that. If you haven't seen it yet, again, I highly recommend you go watch it. Now, last piece of news. It's not really Ravens news, but I do want to touch on this. Does anybody know what Antonio Brown is actually doing right now? Does Antonio Brown even know what he's doing? What he's talking about? I mean... That, if you are not following the Antonio Brown situation, number one, good for you because it's stupid beyond belief. And number two, um, you know, it it is stupid beyond belief, but it, it doesn't make any sense. And it, essentially, if you're not informed, Antonio Brown has this thing now. I mean, he always has these problems, right? It's always blah, 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 you know, look at me, I'm so great, you know. And look, Antonio Brown's a good football player. But coming from a team-building standpoint, if I was a GM, I don't want him because he's too much of a distraction. And he proved that, you know, Mike Mayock bringing him in in the, in the Raiders, it might be great for their football team, but he is one giant distraction. A giant distraction. Antonio Brown put up a fight with the NFL, basically saying he was, not, he was never going to play again. He was ne- not going to play again. Until he got his old helmet from the Steelers to wear in games. Why? I have no clue. There's no real explanation for this. He wants his 2010 helmet to wear. Wants it repainted Raiders. Wants to wear it. Now, the NFL has said we don't do this. Because we want our players to have the most updated safety equipment. And this this is not that. Uh, it's like 2010, and then they say there's updated things. You can't wear this in games now for safety reasons. And they wouldn't. They're not giving it to him. They're they flat out denied his request. Now the the question is, is Antonio Brown gonna you know get up from his temper tantrum and actually play football? 
Is he going to do that? Beats me. And look, I really don't have much against Antonio Brown. It's just it's just so annoying because it's just it's just so annoying to hear him talk over and over and over again about all these problems and that you know, he doesn't need to to play football anymore because everybody loves him or he doesn't get the football enough in Pittsburgh and that Juju Smith-Schuster is a problem. I mean, leave Juju alone, right? Like, I'm a Ravens fan, but nothing's wrong with Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, the dude's cool. He's fine. But Antonio Brown just seems to cause problems everywhere he is. Since he signed that, that big contract, like, four or five years ago, I mean, he's just been nothing but off-the-field problems. And now it's his helmet thing. And and I know this is a Ravens show, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but, I mean, if you're a Ravens fan, you've got to be glad that you didn't trade for this guy. You've just got to be glad that you've got his cousin, Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown, you know, I don't know what, what Antonio Brown is like, you know, all, you know, with his family, with his friends. I'm sure he's, I'm, honestly, I think he's probably a good guy. I just think he gets, gets caught up in the moment a little bit you know, along the lines of what Terrell Owens had on the field going on, and a little bit off the off the field as well, as in talking to the media, making a persona around him. But I, I genuinely think that he's probably a good a good person, and I, I think that he probably has a good family around him. But I don't expect Marquise Brown to do any of this. Marquise Brown seems more humble to me. He's a very good kid. He, did, he worked so hard to get here. I don't think Marquise Brown's ever going to go crazy like, like Antonio Brown. So... Ravens fans, you've got the right Brown cousin. Without a doubt, you've got the right one. The cheaper one, too. I mean, hey, he got $11 million, but that's still nowhere near what Antonio Brown's making. And, I mean, for the Ravens, it's a good contract. And a great contract for Marquise Brown, too, because it's basically all guaranteed. So, okay, moving on now. I do want to talk about what happened in the Jaguars preseason game. The Jacksonville Jaguars came into Baltimore hoping to break Baltimore's streak of, what was it, 12 games in a row, one in the preseason. That's three years straight since 2016, winning every single preseason game. That's just nuts. That's crazy. Um, they didn't do it, needless to say. I mean, it's like a week later. If if you haven't watched it yet and you keep playing to watch it, you don't you don't get a right to spoilers any, spoiler alerts anymore. You're getting spoiled here. So, I mean, hey, look, they lost 29-0. The Ravens trounced the Jaguars. I mean, it was it was wild. Now, if you read my review, my preview and predictions review, if you watched the video, perhaps, um, you know that I wasn't super optimistic about this win. I thought that Joe Callahan, Trace McSorley wouldn't do very well. And look, McSorley had his moments, but overall, it was not a good night for him. I don't like to ever go by quarterback rating. I think quarterback rating is a flawed stat. But 33.3 quarterback rating, never very good. His average was 3.9 yards per attempt. Uh, 9 out of 22 attempts completed. I mean, that's below 50%. 85 yards. I mean, if 85 yards was good. He had a couple good throws. Um, I believe he had the deep throw to Miles Boykin. I think that was Trace. But... You know, we didn't really expect him to do that much for the Ravens here, in all honesty. We just... I didn't, at least. If you did, I think you're kind of crazy. I mean, we saw what happened to Lamar last year in his first preseason game. It was not pretty. He progressed very well, but it was not pretty. So, Trace McSorley, bad day. Joe Callahan looked okay. I mean, we didn't see enough of him. He really only threw... He threw four passes. Three or four. I mean, hey, 7.5 yards per attempt was pretty good. Sacked once. It was the only sack on a Ravens quarterback that night. Finished with a 95.8 passer rating. 30 yards passing. Now, Lamar Jackson, first drive Lamar Jackson looked pretty good. He had this, if you watched it, he had this dart. And you remember what I'm talking about. To Chris Moore on the sideline. It was a great catch. And then he had a, uh, a shovel pass or whatever, or a quick pass uh, to Willie Sneed for a touchdown. But there were a couple throws that just looked way off for Lamar. I mean, they just looked way off. I mean, he made the throws he needed to make to put the Ravens in good a good position. Both, I think he only played two or three drives. But for two drives, I think they got a field goal and they got a touchdown. Again, I haven't rewatched the game yet. I haven't done the, the retrospective review. I hope to do that tonight. Um, but he had some throws that just weren't good enough. And I, 
look, there were the the tight spiral to Chris Moore looked fantastic, and there were good throws in there, but he's not there yet. He's just not there yet. Maybe it's more game experience needed. Maybe it's getting used to these new uh, receivers and timing. Obviously, wasn't there, but there were a couple error balls, and it just looked like he wasn't there yet. But it definitely looked like that he looked he looked better. When I say he's not there yet, I'm talking about becoming an elite passer, becoming a passer we can rely on in all situations, you know, to at least do the best he can, the best to his natural ability. Because I think he's got tremendous natural ability. It's getting to that point. It's getting past the mechanics. It's getting past what needs to be coached into him to be a good passer, to be an accurate, precise passer. He's got the natural ability to do it. He's just got to get there. He's improved. It's a, a major improvement from last year's preseason. I think... From last year's final game in the, in the postseason, he looked better too. So, I mean, it wouldn't take much of a performance to make him look better than last year's postseason performance. But in any case, he looked better. And I, I think he's on the right track. And I'm, as you know, if you're a longtime follower of the blog, you know I was not a fan of Lamar Jackson coming out of college. I was not a fan of him. Nothing personal to him. But as a quarterback, I was not a fan of Lamar coming out of college. I was not a fan of him potentially taking over for Flacco. And I was, wasn't was really a fan of him. I thought Flacco... I kind of still think Flacco's the better quarterback. And I don't mean, like, that we should have kept Flacco. Because the way Lamar performed, it was obvious that it was time to move on. Flacco was the better passer. Flacco was the more stout, the more poised guy who could sit in there and throw the ball with better accuracy, with better precision, with better decision-making. The deal with Lamar is he electrified the offense. There's no way around it. It's last year, he came in, and no one knew how to defend him until the LA Chargers did it. But no one knew how to defend him, and that's what made him so good. Now, if he can take the electricity he brings on the ground, tone it down just a little, just a little bit. I don't want him rushing 18 times a game. Nuh-uh. Rush 10 times a game. Throw 10 more times a game. And throw more accurate every single time he plays. Then he's going to develop into one heck of a quarterback. And he will way surpass Flacco at this point. I mean, I love Joe Flacco, but if Lamar explodes into, a, into you know, Russell Wilson type, I mean, it's even if Flacco is still technically the better passer, I mean, who cares because... If you can't, if Lamar can't pass, then he'll just toss it or run it, or you know, it, it, the X's and O's would be insane to watch. So he's got great potential, but again, he's got to get better. His quarterback rating was one thirty eight point two, so it's pretty good. But moving on to the rushing attack, I mean, Justice Hill looks pretty good. Uh, had some good rushes. Didn't really have a great consistency on the ground. Kenneth Dixon blew one pretty big. Um, I think it was like 16 yards. I think it, I think he had another run that may have got called back. Again, it's 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 last Thursday. It's it's on, not on my mind. I haven't. I'm it's basically as soon as this podcast is done, I'm going to finish my piece on Jimmy Smith and go straight into the film on that. Um, so hit my retrospective review article. I'll do. I want to do a, a, a film review on YouTube too. So we'll see how that goes. Now, receiving Chris Moore had a good day. Uh, two targets, two receptions, 48 yards. Had to see that out of him. Had to, because Chris Moore. Obviously, has been just there on the cusp for for a couple of years now, and it was great to see him uh, thrive. Miles Boykin had four catches for 39 yards, but he was targeted nine times. Now, granted, not all of those throws were great, but he had some drops, and that was not good. Now, maybe it's first game jitters, rookie jitters. If you know, if you watched my Miles Boykin review, if you read it, whatever. You know, I told you he had the dropsies, had a case of the dropsies. It's not a major problem, I don't think. Not a major case. He's not suffering. It's not a fatal illness for for Mr. Boykin here. Not a fatal football illness, but it's not great. He's got to improve on it. And the Ravens saw it firsthand. He dropped balls in coverage. He dropped balls like I told you he would. He did it. Got to see better out of him. Julio Scott had a 25-yard reception. It was pretty good. Um, And then I think it was him who had the touchdown. They got called back? Or maybe it was Boykin. It was one of the two had a touchdown that got called back. Um, but, you know, it got called back. Doesn't matter. I'm pretty sure it was Boykin, actually. Um, doesn't matter. It was still a touchdown in a preseason book because they wanted to see it. It was called back for, like, holding on the line. So he caught the ball. It was great. 
Um, Mark Andrews was in there way too long, in my opinion. They left him in to, like, the third quarter, and I was, like, screaming at the TV, like, get him out. No way. Jose, I want to see my boy Mark Andrews get injured, but no, he's fine. Two targets, two receptions, 11 yards. Uh, Willie Sneed had one catch. It was a touchdown catch, and that was it for him on the day. Didn't see anything out of Antoine Wesley. Um, Sean Monster, though, had some good plays. Um, you know, he could really make the roster. Don't discount Sean Monster. I saw when I went to training camp, he had some good plays. Um, and, you know, he did well in this preseason game. And today, actually, I forgot to mention I was going to mention it, was the last day of training camp practice. Uh, I don't know what kind of practices they move into after training camp. I don't think they're going to stop practicing throughout the preseason, but it's the last training camp practice officially. Um, moving on to the to uh, the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, if you didn't see it happen, then you're crazy because Kenny Young popped Gardner. I mean, popped Gardner Minshew. If you took that play, removed Kenny Young's numbers and and any. You know, anything that would make me know is Kenny Young and show me that play. I would have thought you were showing me a Ray Lewis, like, top 10 highlight from years ago. He popped the quarterback. And I, I thought Gardner Minshew was, like, dead or something. I was going to call 911 and report Kenny Young for murder because he flat out killed Gardner Minshew on the field. It was a fantastic hit. And the Ravens are looking for inside linebackers to step up. And Kenny Young exploded this game. Six total tackles. Five solo. Of course, you got that sack on Gardner Minshew. It was just ginormous. Bennett Jackson, the cornerback, had a good day. Four total tackles in there, a pass deflection. Pat Ricard looked pretty good on both sides of the ball, made some good blocks. Uh, pass deflection at the line. He got two sacks. Well, I think it was combined with somebody else, but two sacks. Tackle for loss, the whole nine yards. Quarterback hits, everything. Alvin Jones was getting in there. Peanut was in there for a little bit doing his job. Um... Chris Wormley had a decent day. I mean, all around good performance by the defense. No, I mean, aside from Kenny Young uh, and some of, and, and Pat Ricard, I mean, they were the two big boys. I mean, Chris Board only had a single hit, uh, not a single hit, single tackle. Um, so it wasn't that amazing. Cyrus Jones had a couple plays uh, in there. He had a pass deflection as well. Uh, didn't really expect him to get much playing time at corner because obviously he's really the re- return guy. But I'll tell you what, Anthony Averett was pretty streaky, though. I mean, if you watch the game, you know, because Anthony Averett had some tackles. He had a pass deflection, had some good plays. Uh, but then he got burnt a few times, and it was kind of weird to watch because he was so streaky. Now, Anthony Averett, a lot of people think he could start for a team, and, and he's not going to be – he wouldn't be a number one corner for sure. He would not be a number one corner. But I think they're right. I think he could be a number three corner, you know, a guy who comes out there in, in, in you know, a three-corner set. And it does well. I really think so. I think, but I think he has to get better from being streaky because he was streaky in this game. No matter what anybody's going to tell you, he had his on and off moments and he's got to get better, you know, and not have, have as many of those off moments. If he's just on, if he just gets, gets where he has to be, makes those pass deflections, doesn't get burned as much. He could be a pretty good corner. And, you know, he's one of those guys nipping, at Jimmy Smith's, you know, starting spot. Not that he'd be the number two corner on the, on the team. But if Jimmy Smith goes, Anthony Averett takes a big step up. So we'll see. Anthony Averett, well, we want to see him do better in this, this Green Bay game. More consistency as a good um, pass defender. Um, and then, of course, the interceptions. Cyrus, jo- I, Cyrus Jones got an interception. Bennett Jackson got an interception. Pretty crazy there. Bennett Jackson's been a journeyman. He's been on the Ravens roster in the pr- preseason I think two or three years now I don't remember Cyrus Jones getting interception doesn't make much sense and actually was returned for a touchdown I forgot about this but I'm looking at the stats here on ESPN now I remember he was he returned that for a touchdown um it was actually why while Evan Washburn was talking to Lamar Jackson on the sideline um Cyrus Jones got a big big pick so and then of course Car Vedvik Kerry Vedvik uh went in there got four for four on field goals 100% longest from 55 yards two and two on extra points 14 points total, and of course he had two punts, uh, 55-yard average punts. Sam Cook had a punt with 48, so it's just wild. Kerry Vedvik out there is wild, and he'll do great in Minnesota. So that's that's just is our little recap of what happened in the game. Ravens won, pretty big game right there. Uh, and then of course you got this upcoming game against the Green Bay Packers. 
I'm going to go more into detail on my preview and predictions article, which I highly recommend you go out and watch. Um, watch it on YouTube. Read it online if you want. If rather just get a condensed version there, YouTube probably going to be longer to watch than, than reading it a few minutes, which, you know, is always there for you. Um, who has to have good games? Just off the top of my head. Don't know if these guys are going to be in the article. I haven't written it yet. I, I'll probably write it uh, either tonight or tomorrow. Well, obviously, I think first place is going to be Anthony Averett. Because Averett's got to be less streaky. And, and really, if there is talk about between the Ravens and, and the Texans, or the Ravens and anybody about Jimmy Smith, Anthony Averett has to show he's ready to take over as a starter. If he can do that, then the Ravens would be more likely to get rid of Jimmy Smith. It's just a fact. Uh, we want to see Miles Boykin have like a lot less drops. I want to see more out of Jaleel Scott and Antoine Wesley. I don't want to have them uh, only be training camp hype. We need to see who's going to progress at left guard it's going to be a difficult battle in there um i want to see trace mcsorley take a step up i want to see him do better i want to see um gus edward well gus edwards had a pretty bad day six six carries for 12 yards that's an average of two yards per carry definitely not what it was a couple years ago i wanted to see him show that he's you know still up there in shape um can go against ones again because i don't think mark ingram will want to see uh, I kind of want to see more out of Michael Floyd, but I don't think he's going to make this roster anyway, but it would be kind of nice to see him do something for us. Uh, Jalen Ferguson, I mean, he had a couple good plays, showed off that bull rush a few times. would like to see Jalen Ferguson get a sack or two. And I want to see, honestly, I want to know if Pat Ricard and Bennett Jackson continue those good performances. Um, and Kenny Young, if Kenny Young could pop somebody again, I'm all on board to watch again. It was a fun preseason game. Really, I mean, by the fourth quarter, I was kind of getting, you know, like, all right, let's just get out of here. This is kind of, you know, I already know what I know from this now. Um, but the first two quarters were exciting. Kenny Young's hit really set that crowd off, set people on Twitter, Facebook. Everybody was going wild over that Kenny Young hit. That's the play of the preseason, and we're only in the first game here. So, um, yeah, that's it. We're, those are the guys we want to see do well against uh, Green Bay. We're not going to do any predictions right now. It's just too early for that. I'll do my full article and then, of course, a video to accompany it as well. And I think that's it for today's episode of Nest Talk. I don't think we've got much else to say um, at all, really. Um, so, yeah, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes if you're watching. Hit a like on Facebook. I'm not, not like, Well, you can like us on Facebook, Nest Talk or Baltimore Feather on, on Facebook. Like us, uh, like this video on YouTube if you liked it. If you're listening on YouTube, of course, hit that notifications bell. Make sure you get the Nets Talk podcast as soon as they come out. Um, we're trying to get every Friday. I just didn't have time this past week. It was pretty busy. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back on Friday with Nets Talk episode 40. So, uh, again, this is Nets Talk episode 39. Wrapping up production at around 5.30 in the afternoon on Tuesday, August 13th, and we will see you after the Ravens' second preseason game against the Green Bay Packers.